TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. It's The Scoop with Darren Dukey-Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. We are back for more shenanigans here on The Scoop Podcast. This is episode 300. And 22. So for the TV job, going back months, I've been working on a Daniel Oturu profile piece that will air on Channel 5 on Sunday night. So I actually had a chance to sit down with Daniel when he was home on a break a few weeks ago. In fact, it was like, I don't know, maybe a month or two ago. I also sat down around that time with Richard Patino, Gophers coach, and Daniel's high school coach at Creighton Durham Hall, Jerry Klein. So I put together this TV piece that, again, will air on Channel 5. Sunday night around 10.30, 10.40. But then I have these full interviews, so I'm like, what should I do with these full interviews? So I'll throw them here on the podcast. So this will be a Daniel Oturu deep dive, a Daniel Oturu-centric podcast. He will be the first gopher to get drafted since Chris Humphreys back in 04. This is historic. It's pretty ridiculous that the gophers haven't produced a draft pick in that many years. But it's reality. So this is pretty darn big that the Gophers finally, after all this time, have another NBA draft pick. Where Daniel will go, who knows? I mean, there really isn't much difference between picks 15 and 40 in this draft. Do I feel confident he goes somewhere in that mix between 15 and 40? I do. But is it pick 33? Is it pick 23? Is it pick 18? We will find out on Wednesday. But anyway, let me start this Oturu-centric podcast with... Daniel himself. Here's my conversation with Daniel Oturu. Daniel, let's start with the news of the week that it appears the draft is being moved to November 18th. Was supposed to be October 16th. Now it's being pushed back yet again. Your thoughts? Um, you know, uh, you know, staying safe and uh, having everybody safe is obviously the first and foremost the most important thing. You know, but at the end of the day, I think this just continues to give uh, prospects more time to continue to work on their games and get better and to stay ready for when that time comes. And in that regard, I mean, you're home now on a mini break, but you've been grinding hard out in California. Take us through how that's been going. Um, it's a, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of hard work. Um, uh, I think I was out there for a couple months, uh, but just being able to get out there and uh, starting to learn how to work uh, like a pro um, in those areas, getting better on certain spots in my game and um, getting stronger in the weight room, I think is, uh, was really important for me. And I uh, think that spending time out there was really helpful. So you have seen noticeable gains, both in terms of strength and in terms of your on-court game? Yeah, definitely. You know, I feel like um, I'm a lot stronger. Um, I feel like I'm more explosive. I can move a lot quicker. Um, and then, you know, in terms of the basketball aspect, you know, my jump shot is getting really, I feel like my jump shot is really taking strides. Um, really confident in that. And um, I also think that there's other parts of my games, like, uh, you know, being able to play in a short role, send screens better, um, being more of a presence even more. Um, those are things that I'm noticing that I'm getting really good at. Are there quantifiable gains? Like, can you say, okay, I can now bench press this when before I couldn't? Or, hey, my vertical jump is now this when before it wasn't? Like, are there are there certain numbers that you can pinpoint and say, that's exactly where I've gotten better? Uh, yeah, definitely. You know, um, 
I don't know exactly where my, um, I can't remember where my uh, original vertical was. I think it was probably like 31 some inches. And now I'm able to touch 12-3. Um, so I think that's about like 35, 35 and a half inches. So I've made a really significant jump in my leaping ability. Um, I think that's one, that's one, one of the major things. Um, I feel like I think I got longer. Honestly, my reach was a different measurement from the first time I tested out there at P3 till now. Um, and uh, wingspan a little bigger. So I think I'm even growing just as like a physical, like even as a human being. So it's kind of crazy to see. I mean, are you able to still grow? Like that to me is nuts. Like your wingspan all of a sudden and your reach is, is yeah. more than it used to be. That. That to me is crazy. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's one of the craziest things that I, I, I heard out there for sure. Um, and I think that uh, that's just uh, I think it'd be even it'd be even more helpful if I could grow a little taller too. So I think that's pretty cool. Is it just becoming more real? You know, the fact that you were out there training as hard as as you were, and the fact that you've now started interviewing with teams, does this whole process seem as real as ever now? You know, I think this is something that I expected. Honestly, you know, um, I don't try to look too deep into it, but you know, I try to take every day one time, uh, one day at a time, and um, I'm just thankful to be able to have this type of opportunity. To, you know, to go out to Santa Barbara, California, work at P3, um, come back and interview with teams, and um, I feel like I'm in a position where I never thought I was going to be, and I'm here. You know, I'm just continuing to work, work, work with it, and uh, just continuing to stay grounded. What are some common questions that come up in these draft interviews? Um, I would say, you know, this uh, kind of like, there's different things. You know, each team, you know, they're trying to get a gauge of you, trying to see who, like, trying to get to know you. Um, you know, ask about like your family, how you got to this point, certain stuff like that. And I think those are the just kind of no normal standard questions in any type of interview. How have you gotten to this point? You know, um, honestly, just uh, I just give all glory to God. You know, just for being able to bless me with um, the ability to play this game. Honestly, um, and then at the end of the day, you know, just I think putting in the work and just believing in myself and believing that, you know, putting my mind to something and some. If I put my mind on something, I can attain that goal. You know, every day I wake up, you know, I'm one step closer to realizing my dream of playing in the NBA. And so um, I, I just think, you know, just staying grounded, staying humble, working hard, you know, and just keep, keep believing in myself and keep believing in God is that's got is what got me here. How important is it for you to go in the first round? Um, I think it's really important, you know, honestly, because I feel like I've showed, I've showed teams that I, I'm, I'm, I work hard, especially if you look at my growth from my freshman to sophomore year. I took a, a really big step in my game. Um, I wasn't shooting much threes. I worked on the summer before my sophomore year. I worked on shooting threes. I shot almost two a game my sophomore year. You know, just. Um, just working, just showing that I can work hard and be a good player in this league is something really important to me. And I think, you know, I think I'm a first round pick 100%. Um, you know, and I think uh, uh, as these interviews go, as these uh, more meetings teams, I think I'm going to continue to show teams why I should be drafted in the first round. You know, I felt like I was, uh, if not one of the most productive players in the country. Um, just, and I'm not, I'm not really, I'm not too old. I'm a sophomore. And so I just think that I show teams that I have potential to be a first-round pick, and I think I'm going to be a first-round pick. Not only shot threes, Daniel, I mean, you made threes. I mean, 
How important was that leap from freshman year to sophomore year to show NBA teams that you have that range, especially the way the NBA game seemingly has gone, even in the last couple years with, with so many fours and fives, especially now fives popping out and hitting the three-point shot? Definitely. I think that's something that's become super important in today's game. You know, um, you see a lot of, you see a lot of um, small ball fives. You see like different lineups and stuff like that. Lineups you wouldn't see four or five years ago even. And so um, the game has changed for, I think, the better. You know, like there's more spacing. Um, if you want to play, you got to be able to be a floor spacer. And I think that that's something that I really honed in on because I realized that, man, if I want to take this next step, you know, like I can score in a post, I can do certain things, but if I can show that I can hit the three ball at a consistent rate, um, that's something that's going to help my game take the next step. I asked you this last time we talked, probably in June, but now that it's more real, take me to that night. Try to visualize that night, that night of, of November 18th, when the commissioner steps to whatever podium setup he has. It might be in his basement. Yeah. Who knows? It's a different world. But the commissioner inevitably is going to step to some sort of podium. He's going to say, with the 18th pick in the 2020 NBA draft, the Dallas Mavericks select from the University of Minnesota, Daniel Oturu. Just take me, what, what do you visualize when, when I lay that out? You know, honestly, that's, it's, 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 it's surreal because um, this is a, a goal, not even a goal, like a, just a dream that I, you know, I used to tell people all the time growing up, like, I'm playing in the NBA, like, I'm going to play in the NBA, I'm going to be right there with those guys and stuff like that. And like I said earlier, that's, you know, every day I wake up, you know, I go to the gym, I go to the weight room, and I just, that dream is just an, another day closer. And you know, um, I think that day it will be really special for me, but not only just for me, but for my family, because you know, all like my family have seen the work I've put in. They've been there with me through the nights, the tough nights, the, just getting to those points, you know. But at, at the end of the day, you know, I just, like I said again, you know, it's just a testament to God because I just continue to believe that this is something that I will achieve. And you know, like I said, like, I think I'm a first round pick, but after that, I'm working towards being a first round pick, but after that, it's more more of working towards playing a long time in this NBA. And that's something that I really, that's my next, that's not my next, but like, that's the thing that's on my mind the most. Whether you end up in the first round or you happen to go in the 30s, you're going to get drafted. You're going to be the first gopher to be drafted since Chris Humphreys way back in 2004. You stayed home. You could have gone to Michigan State. You could have gone to Kansas, but you stayed here. You stayed home. You went to Minnesota. How much pride do you take in that you stayed home and you will be the first gopher to get drafted in 16 years? You know, I take a lot of pride in that because um, when I chose to stay home at the University of Minnesota, those are times, kind of the reasons, some of the reasons why I decided to stay here. You know, I wanted my family to come watch me. I wanted my friends to be able to have the opportunity to watch me. You know, I also wanted to be great. I wanted to be a player that fans remember for a long time. You know, like, yeah, I went to go watch that kid when he was in college. Like, he was terrific. And that was, like, one of the things that really was important to me, you know, just trying to be the best player I can be while also putting down that home state jersey. And, you know, I think that um, my two years with the Gophers, um, I've seen that goal come into fruition, you know. I feel like um, I showed a lot of players that I, a lot of people that I, I was, a, I'm a really good player and I could be really great. And one thing, like I said, is I just want to be remembered as one of the best golfers. As the calendar gets closer to, to November 18th, just take us through what, 
What are your plans here in the in the coming weeks? Are you going back to California? Are you staying here in town to train? Uh, yeah, I'll be heading back to California in a couple weeks to uh, continue my training. Um, like I said, this is like a, like a mini break just to come see friends and family. And um, then I'll head back that way to Santa Barbara, California, just to continue training and staying, staying ready. Do you enjoy doing these, these draft interviews? Like, you still have some teams to go here. You've already talked to, my understanding is, Washington and Milwaukee and a bunch of teams, Utah. I mean, are you enjoying doing these? Yeah, definitely. I think this is um, something that's uh, really unique, you know, not a lot of people have this opportunity, and so I just take it with grace, you know, and just uh, I'm thankful for even being able to speak with some of these teams, and um, I just, you know, I just continue to be myself in front of them, um, be honest, you know, show them who I really am, and uh, I think that these interviews are really good. Have you thought about the possibility of landing with the hometown team? I mean, they're going to talk to you. They have three draft picks. I mean, they control this draft in so many different ways. Is it hard not to think about playing for, for the hometown team? Oh, by the way, that's coached by a former Gopher? Yeah, you know, that'd be cool. Like, you know, honestly, have an opportunity to stay here. Um, like you said, they have three draft picks. Um, it'd, be, it'd be pretty cool if I was picked with one of those picks. Um, you know, I definitely think that it'd be a unique opportunity, you know, just being able to stay home again and just play for the, the pro team now. Uh, not really moving far, but, you know, at the end of the day, um, regardless of where I end up, you know, I'm ready for the new experience. How much do you love basketball? That's like my lifeblood. Like, I don't know who I'd be if I didn't have basketball, honestly. Um, basketball has gotten me here. Basketball has done a lot for my family, done a lot for myself, and, you know, I just want to continue to use basketball as a way to just not only better my life, but to better the life of the people around me. Yeah, I mean, piggyback off that, I mean, you already have a really nice platform, but when you get to the NBA, that's, that's the ultimate platform, right? How much do you want to continue to give back to those that are underprivileged? You know, I just, that's, like, that's one of the main goals, you know, just not only, you know, at the end of the day, it's bigger than basketball. And so I just want to use my, like the platform in the NBA to, you know, to show people like, you know, you can, it's bigger than basketball. You know, we can help out, we can do, we can make real change in our in our society, in our communities around us. And I think that's something that's important. You know, you see the NBA players and what they're doing and using how, using their platform to speak up and stuff like that. And that's just something I want to continue to follow with when I get there, is just continue to use my voice to help people. Is there a player, maybe it's a player that's still alive in the, in the Orlando bubble, and I know you, you know, you love watching Kobe clips and you're a big LeBron fan, but is there a player, maybe not even a household name, but somebody we can point to and say, yeah, my game is comparable to, to that player? I would say, you know, Bam Adebayo, is, is his game is somewhere I, I it's, it's like, is where I want to be. It's definitely where Bam Adebayo is. Definitely, I love watching him play. And I definitely think that that's somewhere I can, that's, that's a player I can, that's a level of uh, type of player I can get to in the NBA. Would you say that your handles would need improvement? I mean, Bam has unbelievable handles. Yeah, definitely. You know, I'd say like getting my handle more tight and uh, passing. Um, but, you know, I think that some of the stuff he does, I can do really well right now, even just uh, short rolls, being a lob threat, hitting the open mid-range jumper. I think those are things that I can do really well right now for a team. Is this the longest you've ever gone? I mean, I guess, I'm trying to think after you got hurt at the Nike Hoop Summit, I guess it would have been a while, you know, until you played again five on five. But like this layup, I mean, the last time you played in a basketball game would have been competitive at least. The Big Ten tournament, right? It would have been yeah. like 
March, I don't know what date it was, March yeah. 10th, March 9th. Something like that. Who knows when next season starts? I mean, it might be January or February. Have you ever gone this long between competitive action? Uh, I think this might be the longest I've ever gone, honestly. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a unique situation, honestly. I just try to look at the positives in it. Um, you know, like I said, you know, you know, with COVID, um, you want everybody to stay safe. You know, you don't want anybody to get sick or anything like that. You definitely want to calm the you want to you want to calm the spread of the disease, stuff like that. And so, you know, I think that um, you know, with like these professional organizations, like not only just the NBA, but like you see other different sports leagues, you know, taking a precaution to make sure the players are safe, make sure the fans are safe. I think that's really important, you know, and um, showing that you know. There's, like I said, it's bigger than sports. You know, at the end of the day, it's humanity, human race. You know, we gotta make sure we're taking care of each other. And I think that um, I, I have an understanding of that. And so, you know, just uh, like you said, from March till now, you know, it's been a long time since I played. And who knows when the season will start, but you know, just continuing to work on my game and staying ready is the most important thing. Was it when you started to really kick butt for pulley? Maybe here too, like 10th grade year, you said, yeah, like not only am I going to play at a high level in college, like the NBA is realistic. Like I'm going to play in the NBA. This dream is going to become a reality. Yeah. Was it about that time? Definitely. I'd say my sophomore, junior year, I'd say those two years, like those, that, that year between each other, like was the year where I started realizing like the, um, these dreams that I'm having are, can, can really be a reality, you know, like. I can wake up one day and I can be my third year in the NBA. That's, you know, that's something that I kind of realized that I could, if I just hone in and just lock in on um, what I really want to do, um, I can get there, you know, like the goal, you know, yeah, kind of certain goals, like, yeah, I want to go to college and this and that, but, uh, you know, you're working towards like a bigger goal than that, like playing in college, like that's nice and all, but like at the end of the day, your dream is to play in the NBA. And that's my, that was my dream is playing the NBA. Um, Regardless of where I went to school, you know, it just so happened to be here at the University of Minnesota. So, like, I'm working to get a scholarship. That's cool. But I'm working for something even bigger than that. I'm working to be a pro. And that's that was when that mindset kind of came in. And that's I think that around that time was when I started to take this, this dream seriously. Is your attitude that whoever ends up drafting you, that you're going to be, like, the first guy in the gym in the morning? You're going to be maybe one of the last guys out? That whenever they need somebody to go do something in the community, you're going to raise your hand that, that there's nothing that a front office or coaching staff will ever have to worry about when it comes to Daniel Oturu. Yeah, definitely. I just, uh, you know, I feel like just being the best person I can be, you know, on and off the court is really important. Um, I want to show teams, I want to continue to show teams that I work hard, you know. I want to be one of the first guys in the gym, one of the last to leave. I want to do stuff in my community. I want to do. I want to help people. You know, I, like I said earlier, I want to use my platform to help people, be a voice for people, be a voice for the unheard. You know, I just want to do. I just want to use basketball to be able to better not my only myself and my family, but my entire community. You know, whatever city I'm playing in, that's my community now. You know, I want to use my platform to be able to make that community prosper even more, and um, that's just something I'm excited for. You know, I just think that just being the best person I can be every day will help me. You know. I don't, you know, I don't get in trouble. There's nothing like that. You'd have to ever worry about me. What about you would surprise us? In what, in what way? Anyway. Uh, I don't know, honestly. I'm just, I, I think I'm a pretty simple guy. I love, I love basketball. Um, I love being around my family. And that's um, pretty much it. You know, I, I want to help people. 
I just wanted, I just wanted to do great things outside of basketball also. What do your mom and dad mean to you? They mean the world because, you know, they, they literally came from nothing and they, they turned nothing into something. And, you know, we talk about it all the time, you know, like when you have kids, you want your kids' life to be better than yours. Like my parents' lives are better than their parents' lives. And that's the same thing they want, want for us, my, me and my siblings, you know, they want our lives to be a hundred times better than theirs. And that's just, you know, that like, they work hard to put us in uh, positions where we can be successful. You know, there's nothing, you can never repay them. I'm just forever, forever in debt for them. Have any teams brought up the, the state championship win over Trey Jones, the fact that you and Trey are, are close and you're represented by, by the same agency and training together. You guys have this, this cool moment in time going back multiple years where, where you guys end up beating his team for, for a state championship. No, nah, yeah, no team's ever brought that up. So I haven't talked about that at all. All right, well, when I bring it up, what, what comes to mind? You know, just uh, it, something that a lot of people don't, you know, won't forget. You know, that was a special moment. Um, I, I mean, I went to every state championship game my, uh, in high school, like even if my team wasn't playing in it. Um, I definitely would say that a, a state championship ending like that, I've never seen before or been a part of. And so I think that's something that unique that um, not only for myself, but the school that I, I went to, you know, can hold dear. What are some specific ideas? So when you say you want to give back, would that be maybe something through your dad's church? Like what, are there any specific ideas that come to mind? You know, like this is how I do want to give back. Uh, you know, there's some, there's some ideas that I have, but um, I feel like once like I get to like my city or whatever city I'm playing in, that, then I can really like hone in on like who needs the help, like what, what, what can I do to help in certain areas and spots. Um, you know, I definitely know, like, here in Minnesota, I could do a lot of things through my dad's church, um, you know, stuff like that. And ultimately, like I said, just trying to figure out where, where I'm needed, where I, can, where, where I can leave an impact, a positive impact. Sincere apologies. So I did that interview. It was actually back in August. So back in August, we didn't know when the NBA season would begin. Now we know December 22nd, not January or February, but sincere apologies. My photographer forgot his headphones, didn't realize that my battery was low, but I just thought that Daniel's answers were so darn good. I wanted to replay that conversation. I wasn't quite sure where that full conversation would live. So thankfully I have this platform, but sincere apologies. If the ruffling, the, the microphone with the low battery on, on my behalf, if that was annoying. I'm pretty sure my battery was okay for this interview. Also in August, I caught up with Gophers coach Richard Patino to talk about Daniel Oturu. Richard, let's go sequentially. Let's go back to the day that Daniel committed to you. I actually recall being at Creighton that day. I remember the, just the happiness on, on his face. His mom's face, his dad's face, heck, that whole school it was a big celebration. Take that, me back to that day. Yeah, I mean, that's what we envisioned, you know. I mean, I think that when you when you take over a job, there's kind of a wait and see of what, what is this coach about, what's the program about. And that was my fourth year, and we, we, we had a really good team. We had really good buzz. Uh, you know, the state was really rallying around the team. You knew we were going to the NCAA tournament, and it just – it felt like, okay, this thing is going where we want it to go. The next step is can we get the local recruits, the coaches um, to buy in 
and it just felt like everybody was really all in. And, you know, Daniel was more so because he didn't really drag it on. But that was a huge get for us. I mean, he turned down a Kansas, a Michigan State. I bet if he waited longer, there'd be some big-time schools. But, you know, he really, truly wanted to play for the name on the front of the jersey. He wanted his family there. He wanted his friends there. Uh, you know, and that's what you dream about. And that doesn't happen as often as you would hope it would. Then he has that unbelievable run that senior year, leads Creighton to a state championship. At that point, you had to be thinking, this is fantastic. He gets the invite to the Nike Hoop Summit, but ends up getting hurt. So that was an atypical summer heading into that first year. Yeah, you know, it's, it's always tough when a, a fr an incoming freshman doesn't have the summer because it's just, it's, it's, it's like an appetizer. You know, you just kind of, you let them get a little taste of what it's like, but it's not the real meal, right? And, and for an incoming freshman to miss out on a whole summer is hard. And it's hard because we needed them to be good right away. Like this was not gonna be one of those, hey, two, three years develop. Um, but he was able to have a really good freshman year. Um, obviously play, you know, for an NCAA tournament. Uh, you know, was a borderline all freshman type player, but we thought, okay, he checked the box for freshman year. Like that was a really good freshman year. Let's take the next step sophomore year. And he certainly did that. All right, well on that next step, I mean, you know, let's just go back to, I guess it would be last year at this time, or maybe a little bit before this time. But I mean, that was a monster summer last summer for him, wasn't it? It's like anything else, right? I mean, what's so, what's so important about college athletics is there's a growth process. This is not gonna happen overnight, but your confidence is built not by social media, not by Twitter, not by Instagram. It's by the work. The work is the key more than anything. And then when you work hard and you receive those results, that's where the confidence comes from. And you saw with Daniel, I mean, really good freshman year, very, very productive season, uh, off season. And then it just, you could just see like, okay, like I could play with anybody. And that light switch went on, and the confidence ship just kept building and building. Did he also evolve as a leader? He, he Daniel is a, um, you know, with any really good young players, talent matters, right? Production matters, but all the other intangibles matter that got to go along with it. Because, you know, these are young kids. They, they're not comfortable with maybe speaking in front of a crowd or putting themselves out there. And you could just see that guys in the locker room started to respect him. He really, really cared about winning. That's important. You know, you got to show those guys that winning matters. And he, he, he put it all out there. He was not afraid to be passionate about the game. He wasn't afraid to be passionate about getting excited about, hey, playing Wisconsin or playing Iowa. Um, guys knew that, that he was all in. He wasn't, he wasn't worried about the future. He was locked in on the present. And that's why he had such a special sophomore year. Daniel, a better person or basketball player? better person uh, and he's a really good basketball player but Daniel's got substance as a human being um, he, he's 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 loyal he's got a great heart um, rarely has a bad day you know he could walk into a gym and maybe he, he maybe he's a little bit in a bad mood and within three seconds he'll snap out of it and he'll laugh um, Daniel will play in the NBA for a long long time but he his best work will be when he's a husband he's a father uh, he's a friend because he was raised the right way uh, you know he's he's uh, there's 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 you know sometimes when guys leave you never know how long you'll you'll stay in touch with them 
Daniel, I know, will be one that it won't be all me trying to stay in touch with him. He'll be reciprocating it, and uh, that's because of his background. I mean, he, he understands the value of being a good person. Unique family, right? I mean, gets the hype more so from mom than dad. Dad was this unbelievable ping pong player, runs a church now, right? Yeah, I remember when I met Francis, um, it was at one of our, our team camp, and I remember at the time knowing of Daniel, but he was young. So I didn't really know the family background. Just say I knew this young kid was going to be really good. Let's put our eye on him, but didn't really do all the intel on the background. All of a sudden, this five six guy comes up to me and says, I'm, "I'm Daniel's dad," and I'm looking around for one of my assistants, like, "Please, somebody tell me who this guy is." Uh, but it was, and um, yeah, just getting to know them. It's like they're not they're not locked in on the external world. That's not the real world, which is the the nonsense, right? The social media, the the you know, uh, crowning you before you've actually done anything. Uh, they're about being good people. They're about their faith. Uh, obviously, with what Francis is doing in the church is unbelievable. So, um, you know, just a a you wish you had more families like them. We have some great families, but just a very very special family that uh, has done a great job raising their son. And as anyone with kids knows, it's not easy all the time. What Amir has accomplished with the Clippers is certainly noteworthy. He deserves a lot of credit, but he wasn't drafted. So when I say Daniel Oturu will be this program's first draft pick since Chris Humphreys in 04, technically the first draft pick under, under your tutelage, what's your reaction? Well, I tell you what, uh, you never really know how that feels because when, when you lose back-to-back -back players early to the NBA, like it's going to be a hit to your team. Like, like That's just that's a no-brainer. But if you could take a step back and look at the long run of the whole thing, it could be great for your program. And I watched Amir play the other day. Um, it's just the pride, like, wow, this is awesome. I'm sitting with my six-year-old Jack, and Jack's going, that's Amir from your team last year, like, with an NBA jersey on, playing great. Uh, and then to be able to text Amir right after the game, he texts you right back, like, that's really cool. So that whole, like, oh, I wish he was still here, kind of moves away you know they're they're a part of your family um and now to have daniel be drafted again not only because he's a great kid but just the fact that he's achieving achieving their dreams you know like for us coaches i grew up dreaming of coaching in a conference like the big 10. I, i'm living my dream i'm i care about being a father i've got three healthy kids i care about being a husband i got a great marriage and now i get to do this like Let's help them live their dreams. And so to have back-to-back uh, -back guys go to the NBA, it's a testament to uh, our program. It's a testament to them uh, to be able to trust in us. You don't have to go elsewhere. You know, you could stay home. You could play in the NCAA tournament, and you can go to the NBA. Uh, so really, really proud. And it's, it's another step in the growth of this program. The fact that we haven't had an NBA player since Chris Humphreys is a long, long drought. Uh, are we where we need to be just yet? Probably not. You know, we dropped a little bit last year. Who knows what happens this year? But there's so many good things happening, and you got to win, but you also got to put players in the NBA, and you got to get them better, and we're showing that we can do that. Would Jill agree about the great marriage? <laughs> Depends on the day, right? Like anything else. When you have kids, um, you know what? Yeah, I think she would. I mean, you know, we're, we're struggling right now. We, we talked about uh, our dog. But, um, yeah, I mean, th those are things that, as I get older, I really do. I mean, I, I wake up and I, I care about that. Um, that. That means more to me than fame and attention and things like that. So, 
Uh, that's a process just like building a program is. Daniel enjoyed going over to Children's Hospital, Masonic Children's? Yeah, Daniel is, um, again, he's, he's one of those guys where you can tell. There's certain guys, and it's, it's like anything else. It could be awkward going to a hospital. You may be young and a little bit uncomfortable with it. Some are just more comfortable with it. He really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, he, he was passionate about seeing the smiles on those kids' faces, um, knowing the backstory, paying attention, okay, when the doctor's speaking about, hey, this is the deal with that. Um, you know, he was fully invested. And we've had, you know, in the seven years I've been here, we've had a lot of guys that have been really eager to do it, and Daniel's at the top of the list of guys that want to give back. How does his game translate to the NBA? I think that's why Daniel's so intriguing. I think that's why Amir was so intriguing. Uh, they're NBA-type players. I remember when Amir said he wanted to go pro, I said, you know what, I said, I, you're probably not going to get drafted, but I still think that you could probably make it, um, and he is. And Daniel, when Daniel and I spoke at the end of the year, I said, listen, man, you, you were All-American, like first one in 20-something years. Um, but I think the thing that really intrigued everybody about him was it looks like an NBA player. You know, he may not be this bruiser, post-up guy, but I thought playing in our system with the way we run pick and rolls, it showcased, we were able to put him out on the perimeter and rip it by some bigger guys. Um, so I think he's got probably more of an NBA game than a college game. How much are you paying attention to what he's accomplishing out in Santa Barbara with what's the P3 people out there? Yeah, we, yeah, I mean, we're just texting back and forth, and I'm just telling him, like, listen, man, you know, I got to get back in shape to put my suit on for the party, uh, you know, the draft party. Um, but I, I just want to make sure he stays focused. Um, you know, those guys, I think he sees it's there, you know, and I think he's totally driven by it. You know, college basketball is great, but there's a lot of distractions. You got class, you got your social life. You got, when he locks in on this basketball piece of it and his body, sky's the limit. You touched on him bypassing Kansas and Michigan State, but just a little bit more on that, expound on that. I mean, that was, at the time, that was a really big deal. Like, those two blue bloods, we yeah. can debate whether Michigan State's a blue blood, but essentially a blue blood. To beat out blue bloods like that, that's a big deal. It's a huge deal. Uh, you know, and we've, uh, we've obviously, you know, you talk about local recruiting, we've, we talk about it too much, but, you know, we, we have not done great all the time, um, but we've done great with some right ones. And when you look at back-to-back -back guys coming out of your state, coming here, going to the NCAA tournament, and then going to the NBA, that is a big deal. People don't realize how hard that is. And for, for Amir turned down some great schools, Texas, and you know some really good ones, Michigan. And then all of a sudden now Daniel, I mean, Kansas has won national titles. Michigan State's won national titles. And then for them to entrust in a young coach, uh, you know, to believe in what we're doing, and then to show it. Like that, that's on the top of the list of, of when you're talking about recruiting and you're talking about selling certain things. Like we have, we have so much to sell here, but we need more recent success with those things that's going to help snowball, and, and it has with future recruits. Unfortunately, the Oturu draft party plan has come and gone just with the restrictions in place. His family will be there. Richard Patino may be there. His high school coach, who we'll hear from in a second, may be there. But obviously with with indoor, you know, gatherings being being what is it? I don't know. Is it ten people? I mean, it's it's very limited in terms of how many people you can have at an indoor gathering. ESPN will have the camera. They send cameras to all these guys. So they'll have the camera at the Oturu draft party. So they need to be compliant with 
with what is in place from a from a Minnesota standpoint in terms of of coronavirus. So yeah, Patino may be there, but there was a grand plan for a big party at a hotel in Bloomington, but obviously they can't have a giant party on Wednesday. All right, let's now get to Jerry Klein. Jerry Klein is the boys basketball coach at Creighton Durham Hall. He coached Daniel in high school. Jerry, you've coached a lot of special players over the years, but it's pretty cool when, when you know. Now, we don't know if he'll go first round or at least second round, but inevitably he's going to get drafted. So just to visualize that night of, of November 18th when you hear somebody that you helped mold in, in many ways, right, on the court, off the court yeah. for, for so many years, how much pride will you take when, when Daniel's name is called on November 18th? Well, though, obviously it's an exciting time, an exciting moment. Um, you know, a lot of the credit has to go to Daniel and just what kind of kid he is. And uh, just for our community, too, to have, we've been blessed with football players in the NFL, hockey players, obviously baseball players, and kind of the big four sports. We've never had a basketball player. So uh, in, that, in that sense, it's pretty neat for our school and our history to add this to the piece. Yeah, even think of that angle. Yeah, I mean, you think pecking order-wise of all the special athletes that have come through these hallways, yeah. yeah. Finally, you have the basketball. Some piece. of the past coaches have reminded me in the past to keep me humble. Oh, I so, bet. Yeah, that's kind of a standing joke behind the scenes. Um, but again, back to your question, we're so excited and and just rooting for him and the success that he's going to have. You talk about the person he is. I mean, you know, I think I probably asked you this before, but let's let's do it again. I mean, he's matured as a person yeah. since the last time I probably asked you. Yeah. I mean, better person or better basketball yeah. player? I'm going to be honest, that's a great question, and I, Daniel's got a huge heart. He cares about kids. You see him at basketball camps. You see him at Feeding My Starving Children and helping other families out. Uh, you see him um, with the service sites that he was doing here in high school and that, that age group from 14 to 18. But he'd give you back to the Highland Friendship Group, uh, working with um, disabled adults, and just uh, it was just awesome to see him work with, with, uh, with kids. and. He's got a big heart, and, and as far as a player, obviously he's a player, but uh, I'm gonna go with person. Uh, he, he just generally cares. Um, he says something, he's gonna do it, he's gonna follow through, and he's loyal. I mean, so whatever community he joins, let's say yeah. it's Dallas or Denver, yeah. you name the city, yeah. I mean, he's going to get down and dirty and try to you know, make sure that, that he can help out as much as possible. Yeah, he'll be a great asset to whatever community um, and whatever city selects him. Um, he, he will go to schools and do what the NBA cares and read books and things of that nature. And he just gravitates to people. People gravitate to him. And um, it, it's a no-brainer there. Um, so that's an exciting thing. But that's part of what Deborah and Francis, about what they're about in their household and, and raising their kids and them choosing CDH to, to have their kids grow in our community. Uh, it's been a really good match. And, I mean, you bring up his, his mom there. I mean, mom's going to join him wherever he ends up. I yeah. mean, that bond is, is tight where Daniel wants to have mom right by his side. Yeah, I mean, it's a unique situation where, you know, NBA draft is one thing, get selected, but then still have family in the process, go to whatever city it's going to be, and knowing that you still have the, the emotional uh, support of, of parents and family, and she will be there, and it's just no, no surprise by that, and um, close-knit family. What would you have told me? So let's say we had talked in 2015, and I said, Jer, and at that point he's, what, a ninth grader? I said, yep. Jer, guess what? Yeah. Five years later, I've got this crystal ball. I've got my DeLorean. Guess what? I went to the future. He's going to be a, a yeah. high draft pick in, in 2020. What, what the heck would you have told me? Well, 
When he came in as a freshman at six foot six and, and uh, this long, lanky, gangly kind of student athlete, you're like, well, okay, there, there's work to be done. What really is, 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 un, you know, is out there that he, his work ethic in the gym, um, he always wants to get better, um, continue to work at his game. And he knew he had dreams. I mean, Daniel is a walking encyclopedia about the NBA. He knows from the Wilt Chamberlain days to the Jerry West to Elgin Baylor. Uh, he knows their nicknames. Uh, he loves the brand. And, and for him, he paid tribute um, to the people who came before him. And so again, uh, him just talking about it, then it's like, okay, you talk is one thing. Now you gotta go out and do. And every challenge that he's been at, he's accepted, whether it's been the CDH challenge and where he was gonna help lead our community and our team for four years, then going to the U and making that transition. Um, and very successful. And I think the part I'd like to talk about is just how unselfish he's done it. Um, I think easily he could have averaged 30 or 40 points sometime during his high school career. And you know, our senior year, we happened to win the, um, the championship here in Minnesota and he averages 17. It's because he's unselfish, gets his teammates involved. And it wasn't about him, it was about the team. And I saw him also do it at the U, uh, University of Minnesota, and it was just, that's the kind of guy he is. He's gonna make the right basketball play. Yeah, I mean, I think about that team his senior year. I mean, how many college kids from that team? I mean, yeah. multiple. Yeah. I mean, you're right. I mean, if he wanted to, he would have averaged 20-something, but he probably looked around, probably <laughs> with some guidance from you yeah, and others, yeah. and realized, yeah, I mean, there's too much talent around here. It can't just be all about me. You know, as coaches, we always think of what, what we can do better the next play, how to motivate. And I think one of the things that was really not talked about in that game is there were four or five possessions that really mattered. And each possession we went through Daniel for him to make the right play. Obviously, it starts with Ryan Larson, our point guard, but Daniel made the pass to Jacob Prince, or Daniel made the pass to Ryan Larson, or to whoever, Cy Chapman, Jaden King. But it was the right basketball play, it was unselfish, and the team got rewarded because of it. And that matters. And we've been preaching that all year. And when a kid and a team can just go out there and not have to think but just react, it's a different deal. What are some common questions? So you've talked to many NBA front offices, whether it's a scout or maybe it's somebody higher up on the on the food chain. When when they call you, what are some common questions that come up? One of the first things they always ask is character. What kind of kid is this? What, how is he going to be in the community? Um, what kind of asset can he you know provide? Uh, personality questions. How is he along with others? Um, you know, so those are really a couple of things they've asked. And then the other piece would just be, I was surprised at a lot of the non-basketball. Um, just, uh, again, family dynamics. Uh, what, what is Creighton Durham Hall all about? What provided, what, what did he get there in the Catholic you know, teaching? And so, you know, what is his family dynamics? Uh, where does he come from? What's he about? Um, it was a lot of those, which was really interesting because I think they know we all can play. That's not what this is about, but how can he blend in with 12 other guys, uh, a management, the coaching staff, and, and then be able to play at a high level. And I mean, you believe he's going to blend in just fine, whether you yeah. point to the specific example of, yeah. of 12th grade year or any number of examples, like no doubt yeah. in your mind, he'll, he'll fit in wherever he ends up. Again, NBA is the highest basketball level we have. And I, I really truly believe um, when his mind is right, and it will be, that he'll be able to fit in anywhere. Again, whatever role that might be, the coach asked him, I mean, obviously he's expanded his game. Uh, worked really hard at extending the game. In the NBA, you're watching these small ball now, and yeah, he's 6'10", but he's 6'10", that can step out. 
and he can cause nightmare problems and he's a rim protector so it's like you got a dual thing there and he can just move and guide and I think that's really going to help. He's an asset that way at both ends of the floor and I think you know the sky's the limit now again he'll have to really work hard because this is a different level and we all know that um, but I know any challenge that he's had to accept uh, he gets after it and um, he usually comes out on top finds a way to get it done. Do you see even, I mean, is it noticeable to you, the, the body transformation yeah. of the last, like, did you see him for the first time in eight or nine weeks, just what, yesterday, today? Yeah, so when COVID hit in March, um, we had to take a break from working out, couldn't be here, and then uh, he went away to Santa Barbara for 10 or 12 weeks and completely can tell the difference just in his shoulders, uh, in his, his pecs, that muscle there, and then just his legs. Um, he just looks like a different player. And again, when we're kind of on shutdown here, what else did he have to do? So I know him and Trey worked out really hard, and you could tell the difference. What do his mom and dad mean to him? Yeah, I mean, I pause because I've seen it um, so much. Um, what Daniel's going to be able to do, uh, they're a prideful family, they're a loving family, uh, faith-based, very religious. But th this, this, this will mean a lot to him because he will be able to give back in, in ways that they haven't mailed before. Um, he'll provide a sense of security, and Daniel will, will do the right thing for his family. Selfishly, would you love to see him as a Minnesota Timberwolf? I mean, I do know they got a couple of the first-round picks. Um, absolutely. Um, love the Minnesota boys to stay home and, and represent our state, and um, it's just fun to see uh, the talented players that are able to play at this level, let alone the high school level or college level. Um, so, yeah, there's a small part of me, absolutely, I would love to be playing down at Target Center. What was that day like? I was here the day it was upstairs. He announced, I'm not going to Kansas or Michigan yeah. State. I'm, I'm going to stay home. I'm going to be a Minnesota Gopher. Yeah, a quick story with that, Doogie, is he came to me a day before and he goes, Coach, and again, this is his junior year. He doesn't have to do anything yet. We've got coaches rolling in all the time and just showing their university and what we have to offer, this and that. And he came to me in the locker room. I'll never forget. He goes, Coach, and he had this serious look in his face. He goes, I'm done. I go, what? He goes, I'm done with this. I want to stay home. I want to be a Minnesota Gopher, Golden Gopher, and I want my family to watch me. And I'm like, okay, I mean, that's enough for me. And, and, and all we had to do was uh, we waited at night. You know, just sleep on it. Talk to your family. I'll call, I'll call tonight. And sure enough, the next morning it happened. Uh, we called uh, Coach Patino and Coach Conroy, and as, as, as it kind of started to leak out, um, the rest is history. But... When his mind is set, he's all in. And he, he, was, he was ready to say, I want to finish my junior year off. I want to not worry about a senior year. And it was about team, it was about school, and it was about people staying home because life after the NBA, life after basketball, um, he wants to work in this state. He wants to be a part of this community. And if he chooses to have a family someday, raise it here, and I totally could see all that. I mean, that to me would be one hell of a selling point to NBA teams, that, that he bypassed maybe the easier route, right? Sure to go to Lawrence, go to East Lansing. Sure. Right, I mean, the Gophers haven't produced an NBA player. I mean, he can talk all he wants about it was this dream for so long, but like right. the Gophers haven't produced an NBA player forever, right? Right. Like that to me would be an incredible selling point to, to NBA team saying, yeah, guess what? Like I chose maybe, I think, the, the tougher path. Sure. 
and guess what? I'm still in a position to, yeah. to achieve my dream. And I think right there is a, is a proven fact. Again, he could have chose Kansas or some of the other uh, maybe top level, uh, top power five you know teams, but he wanted the challenge to be here. He wanted his family, and and look what he was able to prove and do with the double doubles and. It was so fun to watch their freshman year go to the dance down in uh, down in, it was at Iowa State I believe and mm -hmm. have that experience and um, he's just proven people that he can do it. Again, sincere apologies. So I did the Jerry interview the same time I did the Daniel interview. So those same mic issues, the the low battery existed for that conversation. But who cares what I had to say? Jerry is so darn well spoken. Hopefully you enjoyed his commentary talking about his guy, Daniel Oturu. Jerry did bring up the name of Ed Conroy, Gophers assistant coach. That's Daniel's guy. I mean, as much as he likes Patino, he loves Ed. Like, Ed Conroy is his guy. In fact, if I wanted to make this podcast well over an hour, I would have tracked down Ed to also talk about Daniel. Daniel and Ed have a very special bond. I asked Jerry about the possibility of Daniel playing with the Wolves. I've been surprised before, so I'll be surprised again, but I don't see it happening. I don't see Daniel Oturu landing with the Wolves, but he will land with someone. I still think he ends up going in that, you know, 18 to 40-ish range. Heck, Dallas at 18 if they end up keeping their pick. I know he's got a bunch of fans in the Mavericks front office, so he's got fans. There is no doubt about that. He has really worked on extending his range you know, go to Jonathan Giovanni's Twitter handle. He's got some video from Thursday where Daniel is knocking down NBA three-pointer after NBA three-pointer in his combine workout that went out the team. So there is a lot to like about Daniel Oturu. This Daniel Oturu-centric podcast is over. Episode 322. Enjoy the draft, everyone.